Leave me alone, Birch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh. No. (laughs) (laughs) Just, Just no. Just no. Oh, it's great. Anyway, welcome. Welcome to another episode of Screen Fix, where we will fix... A popular film, but we'll also give you a little bit of movie news. Uh, with me, as always, is my co-hosts, Katie the Lady One. Say hello. Hi. And the Mystery Mustache. mustache. Say hello. Why, hello. <laughs> and I am JC. And uh, Lady One, did you do anything this weekend that was film, TV related, or maybe you went out picking blueberries at dusk? I don't know. Whatever you did, <laughs> it's fine. Just let us know how you're doing. I am great. I saw several movies this weekend, taking full advantage of my newly acquired movie pass. Um, I saw The Greatest Showman and The Post. So those were different. (laughs) Quite different. Very different. One of them had applause afterwards and the other one I wished had applause afterwards. (laughs) What a wow! That's a good description about those. Well, can like can you guess which one was which? Hmm. Was it the, the wish? Was that was that the post? Yeah. Yeah. There were like lines in the movie that I wanted to get up out of my seat and go yeah, but that's not appropriate. Um. So I didn't. The power of the press. Mm-hmm. It was so good. Greg, mm. Mr. Mustachio, how was your weekend? What did you do? Did you do something film, TV related? Or maybe you uh, caught up on five, six, or seven, or 25 Criterion movies? Just let us know. <laughs> what, what did you do this weekend? Let's see. Yeah, a little or bit. Or perhaps you played at a uh, coffee house. We know that you do the up and mics as well. <laughs> no, not not this past weekend. Spoken word. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, let's see, Greatest Showman. I saw that, but other movie stuff, well, not too much. Um, I got my, I haven't got my movie pass card in yet, but I'm all signed up, so yeah, we're ready to start using it. Nice using it. Don't abuse it. Uh-huh. Uh, Never. Yeah. How do you like your movie pass so far? Like I, uh, you know, it's 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 kind of strange how you have to be within 400 feet of the thing, and yeah, uh, it's like I can never use it when I want to see like Black Panther opening night, right. or if I want to reserve seats with some friends in a theater. It's a mm-hmm. I can't. It's it's literally for when I'm feeling like depressed and lonely, and I'm gonna go <laughs> see a movie by myself, and I am gonna see it at like. 2 p.m. and no one's gonna go with me and (laughs) yeah it's it's got a specific purpose um both times I had to sit in either the first row or the second row yeah yeah that was brutal because everybody and their mother went to the movies this weekend like I had to change I changed theaters to see the greatest showman which now hurts my soul. Like I was like, (laughs) no, I gotta go. And I drove to another theater to get better seats. And we got to the other theater and it was still front row. And I was like, well, I'm here now. And so that happened. And then the post, I had to choose a different showing and it was still only front row. And yeah, it's, I have gotten very, very spoiled by the idea of choosing seats ahead. Yeah, because with movie pads, you can't order your seats ahead. Yeah. Yeah, but like, it's, remember back in the day, you would go to the movies with your friends, and you're like, "We're gonna go see this," and you'd get there, and it was sold out, and you're like, "What are we gonna do now?" <laughs> like, 
that was that's a thing. movie pass this that, that. <laughs> yeah that's the problem you have <laughs> yeah but i still am glad that i have it i mean if you go to one movie a month with it it's totally worthwhile yeah i i still use it um enough to make it worth it so mm-hmm. even though we're sitting here kind of complaining about it a little bit <laughs> if you go see a lot of movies you'll yeah. end up getting your your 10 bucks worth for sure oh, yeah i was in the line at the kiosk like facing forward being like oh front row but then looking behind me being like you don't have this you should get this like literally telling people in line to buy the movie pass as i was complaining about having to sit <laughs> in a seat because of movie pass i'm a complicated person so let's just dive right into our news Mm -hmm. let's dive right into something that we uh tweeted about on screen fix that is at screen fix pod on twitter Mm -hmm. we did tweet about the red sparrow and black widow uh similarities Mm -hmm. and the j-law army came out strong yes and uh, gave us a good cracking like the baby and mother (laughs) yeah they laid down the law (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i do want to point out to those J-Law supporters, uh, yes, we do read books other than comic mm-hmm. books. We do understand that the author is a former CIA uh, operative. Uh, and I do also want to point out that Red Sparrow, the book, came out in 2013. And mm-hmm. the Black Widow Ops program was in Black Widow number one in 1999. Just throwing that out there. I mean, we don't know. Red Sparrow trailer, it, though. What did you think, Lady One? <laughs> Um, so I think this is a good thing in general. Like, let's have more badass ladies in movies. I'm excited for this. Um, it's not exactly my taste. I'm really not all about violence and graphic nudity and just straight up murdering people. But, um, I don't know. Maybe. Right? Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> uh, Mustachio, um... What do you think the the plot is based on the trailer? Can you give us that? Uh, the tra- trailer seems like the story is this uh, young lady wants to have uh, her mother get a medical, you know, kind of thing happen. Someone says that they'll pay for it. She's supposed to pull a job for them. She doesn't know what the really job is. They end up killing him. And then she's dragged off to this type of Black Widow-ish uh, Russian boarding house that of <laughs> of spy and spydom. Um, we will teach that a word? you seduce man yeah and gain <laughs> secret yeah and then uh, what it, what it seems to stem from there is is open for interpretation because the trailer just leads you to believe like okay so she's fully in this and now like she's a rogue kind of assassin or or like the best spy they have who knows are you a fan of uh, j-law jennifer yeah. lawrence yeah I, I i very much approve of j-law <laughs> no no i yeah I, I like her a lot she she always cracks me up and she also has a, you know, she's she's a striking young lady. I mean, striking. Yeah. I uh, I saw Mother, uh, and I thought she was great in Mother, and she was quite striking. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I think uh, Red Sparrow. <clears throat> I think it is completely gonna uh, deviate from anything that is Black Widow esque. But I do think that that same idea of a training program where they brainwash. Uh, women in Russia and yeah. right in Russia and, and they were ballerinas and they, before and they there right and go. there's the whole uh the whole ballerina aspect which just is kind of Black Widow on the nose mm-hmm. <clears throat> other than that yeah I mean I'm I'm all for both Black Widow and Red Sparrow and Atomic Blonde and Proud Mary and Salt and La Femme Nikita and Lucy 
Lucy. <laughs> Bring them all on. <laughs> Women kick booty. Oh, that's... I can't believe I just said booty <laughs> like that and said it with so much, like, emphasis. That's awful. Uh, <clears throat> I'm embarrassed. Uh, so, uh, our next topic... Um, Han Solo is coming out. Sorry, Solo: A Star Wars Story Worst is coming ever. out in four months. <laughs> <laughs> we got teased a couple of the names of the characters that are going to be in it, and they just dropped this week the official synopsis for a movie coming out in four months, and it's a Star Wars movie. And of course, we all know that Phil Lord and Chris Miller. I think I have this wrong. Those other guys. I think I have that right. The other guys that were known for their comedy and for their uh, kind of like letting actors uh, improv were uh, let go. Ron Howard was brought in. Uh, they brought in an acting coach for Aldrin, uh, Aaron Reich. Buzz Aldrin? Aaron. Buzz Aldrin. <laughs> for Buzz Aldrin. Essentially for young I, Solo. I used him in Apollo right? 13. They brought in, they brought him, they brought an <laughs> acting coach in for him because apparently he was not up to to snuff hmm. uh the only thing i've ever seen him in was uh hail caesar and he was supposed to play an idiot and i guess he's really good at playing an idiot <laughs> uh unless you want him to play not an idiot unless you want, um, unless you want so, to play a scoundrel a scoundrel so the official <laughs> synopsis came out let me just go ahead and uh read this for you <clears throat> Board the Millennium Falcon and journey to a galaxy far, far away in Solo, a Star Wars story. An all-new adventure with the most beloved scoundrel in the galaxy. Through a series of daring escapades deep within a dark and dangerous criminal underworld, Han Solo meets his mighty future co-pilot Chewbacca and encounters the notorious gambler Lando Calrissian <laughs> in a journey that will set the course of one of the Star Wars saga's most unlikely heroes. <laughs> how has how, how a trailer production company not stolen you away yet? <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was amazing. Oh, uh, thank you, thank you. Um, so... Basically, if I was going to write a generic, an extremely generic, I mean, this gives you no plot points other than there's a dangerous underworld, escapades, and there's going to be two characters that you already pretty much knew were going to be in it. Yeah, no, you definitely knew they were going to be there, and you know that he's a smuggler, so there has to be a criminal (laughs) underworld. There's no surprise here at all. I almost think they're still, uh, like, um, editing uh, Ron Howard's cut and have no idea what the movie is. <laughs> <laughs> trying to, still trying to interpret what Ron was meaning with these, you know, these these scenes and put together. Yes. And hopefully they add the Ron Howard uh, voiceover from Arrested Development. <laughs> <laughs> they won't. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, on top of this generic... Uh, kind of uh, synopsis that gives us nothing. Mm-hmm. They release some of the, the character names and some of them are not sounding very Star Wars-y. Mm-hmm. Uh, Woody Harrelson's character is named Tobias Beckett. <laughs> is he and is he traveling to Canterbury? I mean, what kind of well, name? I, Tob- Tobias Beckett sounds like, like an, an Old West figure. 
<laughs> he sounds like an, an like an old western like a uh, prospector. <laughs> that that there's old Tobias Beckett. It's me, Tobias Beckett. There's there's kyber crystals in them their heels. <laughs> kyber crystals. <laughs> you see? Is that it? You see? Like you that's see? that's 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 my prospector right now. Like that's, that's the okay. whole prospector. Okay. Uh, you see? Well, yeah, no, I. I'm, <laughs> I've, that's just what what he was popping out with. Your whole prospector. I haven't I haven't let him tap into my full brain yet. Like, uh, okay. oh, where are we going down to see? You gonna lay claim? <laughs> you gonna lay claim? Okay. Oh boy. Your brain is it's already too full of uh, uh Christoph Waltz and uh, and uh, Christopher, Christopher Walken. Walken yeah. Like one one of them has to leave. And then you let another one. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Solo, are you looking forward to this? Do you think it's in heaps of trouble, Mustache? Yeah, I I, I think it is in heaps of trouble. That's why I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to travel Solo to go see it. I think <laughs> that's, oh. that's not, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like oh. if I brought somebody, there would be like a, a like a mutual anticipation. Like, gosh, there's this this character we all appreciate and love so much. But if I go there... Solo, then I won't have as much of a letdown. Possibly, I don't know. Is that a thing? Uh huh. Yeah. All I right. Get it. And uh, Lady One. So, if this movie did not have Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian, <gasps> I would be Ooh. movie passing it up for this. <laughs> yes. I would be like, I'll sit wherever, I'll show up whenever. I'm not really that worried about it. But because we've got Childish Gambino, yes. I am going to order those tickets ahead of time and just cross my fingers that okay. it's worth it. That's good. That's good. I like that. He, I mean, Rich Parnell is a steel AI missile man. I like Danny Glover. Dan, Donald Glover. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Did he just. Danny Glover. That's me. Leave it in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What is that? What is a big dog? Is that Chew? Oh, Chewbacca. Riggs. <laughs> Please leave it in. <laughs> Too old for this galaxy. Come on. Uh, (laughs) anyway um yeah uh this movie i have hopes for it i i think ron howard is a fine director i think he's uh technically and creatively competent and maybe that's exactly what they needed was just a level of competency to get it done Mm -hmm. and i'm hoping and you know and it was written by uh, of course lawrence kasdan but it's written by lawrence kasdan and his son so this the story should be okay i actually think that might be part of why uh chris lord and phil miller were let go it's because lawrence kasdan and the and his son had written a screenplay and they're probably letting the the actors improv all, all over it mm. and they're like no 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 that's Lawrence Kasdan that's like <laughs> writer of Indiana Jones films and Star Wars films in the past you don't improv over Lawrence Kasdan you know what I mean I'm still hopeful and I'm not gonna go solo I'm gonna go with a group <laughs> um so here we go so uh, in the DC universe, uh, it says that so Warner Brothers has vacated the July twenty seventh, twenty eighteen release date that they were holding for Flashpoint, but it looks like they are still doing Flashpoint, and we've talked about Flashpoint mm-hmm. on this podcast before. Yeah. Now, the people that they've got to write and direct Flashpoint 
is one of them is John Francis Daly, and he has a writing partner. I forget his name. I'm really sorry, but John Francis Daly uh, is the uh, is Sam from Freaks and Geeks. He was also in the movie Waiting. You'd know him. He was actually an actor before he was a writer director, but he was responsible for the terrible Vacation reboot. Oof. He did work on Spider Man Homecoming. He's one of the credited writers but there were a a few writers on that and he also did not direct it but he is completely responsible for the terrible vacation movie and also the game night film that's coming out and you know we haven't seen that yet so we can't really offer much as far as a uh, a critique on that but knowing that those two people are responsible for some of the writing on Spider-Man Homecoming, which mm-hmm. I love, uh, but also responsible for Vacation, which is terrible. Uh, how are we feeling about Flashpoint at this point? Well, I mean, he, he's got to eat too. I mean, you got to make some. You got. They're not all going to be zingers. Is uh, is kind of the the way to look at it. I mean, you you have certain directors that are going to make like amazing like high art films, and they only stick to that. But in practical world in Hollywood, you got to make a few bombs. So the next, like, what we can expect with this director, if he's going to work with, like, Michael C. Hall and Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams in, like, in the game night, that could be a good sign that, you know, they're they're on to something. If this is the first decision by the new guy that they brought in for DC, which is the person behind It and the person behind the Con- the Conjuring series, was that what it was? You know, they just brought this new guy in to head up mm-hmm. the, the DC cinematic universe. I think if this is his first decision, I don't know if this is a good sign. Me, that's me uh, speaking personally. Uh, how about you, Lady Wan? Um, So the other person that he writes with is Jonathan Goldstein. Thank um, you. So it's those two, and I, I don't know. Maybe I think I'm getting old because the idea of John Francis Daly directing like a superhero movie is like upsetting to me because he's so young, and I don't see how how old is he? He's 32. Oh yeah, it makes you feel like what am I doing? A little less. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh man. Should I be directing a DC movie soon? Is Should that I, what I'm yeah. supposed to be doing? Should I already Shoot. made a movie that bombed and got 20% on Rotten Tomatoes? Right. Should I already have made a movie that bombed when I was 28? Oh, man. <laughs> and then now, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It it seems like a really weird choice. Um, but that seems to be a constant with DC is making weird choices. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so. They're unpredictable that way. We'll see. I don't. I don't know. Maybe, what if Game Night is amazing and we we become very excited about this? Then yeah. we're gonna need to talk about this again and talk about our thoughts. Yeah. Yes. So uh, our next bit of uh, our next uh, quick thing. Um, staying on that superhero track on Twitter, uh, James Gunn was asked when we're gonna get another Guardians three, and he tweeted that it was coming in twenty twenty. So Guardians three. So you know, I mean, I feel like we all knew that Guardians three was 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 going to come out. Yeah. And you know, you probably could have guessed something like 2019, 2020, 2021. But it, uh, he says twenty twenty, and uh, I tweeted back to him that I would like the song Cosmic Dancer from T Rex to be on Awesome Mix Volume three. <laughs> uh, do what? Do either yeah. of you have any suggestions for James Gunn for Awesome Mix? Volume three. 
Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. I had like that. That's part of my, like my general thoughts during the day, where I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> you, oh wait, man, you, you you think about songs that you'd want on Awesome Mix Three generally yeah, during the like day. If I, if I hear something like at work, or if I hear something like you know that I'm listening to on Apple Music or something like that. And I'm like, oh man, I like this song. It's jamming. I can totally see Chris Pratt dancing to this. All right. <laughs> uh, no. So yeah, I've I actually got a few, and I would want a them. Few. I would want them to revisit the <laughs> Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust album. Wait, I just, Ooh. I just wanna, I wanna see because they, <laughs> I wanna see this notebook. We're at the top in in your <laughs> scribble handwriting. It says. Ideas for Awesome Mix Volume Three. <laughs> well, send to James yeah. Gunn when page is full, and like, that that would be cool if it was actually a notebook. But it's actually a notepad on my phone. It says no, songs I want to be in Awesome Mix Volume Two. So this was predating, you know, oh, the, wow. the movie. Well, so. Did you have any right? N- no, but so these are all valid for Volume Three. Perfect. They, they totally are. They totally are. <laughs> okay, so obviously Ziggy Stardust. Because they used uh, Moon Age Daydream, yeah, um, right yeah. when they get to nowhere. Oh my gosh, love that! Yeah, it was so perfect. They could use Ziggy Stardust, and they could double it up if they have the money for it. But my favorite Bowie song is at the end of Ziggy Stardust album. Uh, it's called Rock and Roll Suicide, and I think that would be amazing. Oh. And since they've already used Cat Stevens doing Father and Son, I think they have. They Actually, could. what's interesting is like that part, you know tears up my little stringy strings right and, uh, i i actually i i love the ending of, of of guardians 2 and when i first got it on blu-ray i watched the movie and then the next day i popped it in again and i didn't watch the whole movie i just watched the end mm-hmm. and i was like this ending is so good yeah. like it just yeah. the ending was uh perfect in, yeah uh, in guardians <laughs> 2. The, the, like the 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 music was perfect and when they're like passing around baby Groot and it's got those awesome lines. It's like when uh, Mantis is like, it's beautiful. And Drax is like, and so are you on the inside. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's perfect. Like it's so perfect. Like there's, there's so many great lines. <laughs> the, the movie was, was good. I, it's funny. It's like, I feel like that movie came out like three years ago and it came out last year. I know, year. right? Yeah. Like, does it feel like, like, and now that there's three Marvel movies coming out a year. It's crazy. Like, that that first one that comes out feels like it came out forever ago. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, do you have any, Lady Wan? Oh, nothing. Nothing to compare to that, no. You have no uh, running list that you've been adding to for five years? <laughs> No, weirdly, I don't keep a list of that. Yeah, well, they changed it up on the, on Guardians One. It had like a, a funk and a vibe to it, and then on this last one, you get songs like Brandy, and you get Cat Stevens. Um, like you, you, you kind of have like this feel to where maybe it's like they're sticking to like a mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, our last quick quick bit of, bit of news. I saw this come out there. So Top Gun Maverick is going to be our sequel to Top Gun. The articles have been about that there's going to be a new love interest for him. Mm-hmm. Of course, Kelly McGillis was his love. Kelly McGillis was his love interest uh, for the first uh, uh, Top Gun. She's aged like a normal woman mm-hmm. and looks her age. Tom Cruise looks freakishly fit and young. Mm-hmm. It's, he, it's he's got, made of wax. Yeah, he's 
<laughs> he actually <laughs> he actually died like 10 years ago uh, doing one of his own stunts on a movie. <laughs> he actually died in like Mission Impossible 4, but <laughs> Scientology couldn't lose the face of Scientology. No way, man. Gotta keep him around. Yeah. He's just some person that Scientology paid to go under the knife. And <laughs> so it's like face off? Yes, it's that's the technology like, they use. It's like real face off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. So like <laughs> the the original Top Gun was like was that movie that was really popular in my house when I was young. Like I lived in a house that had like my grandma and my and my dad and uh, and my mom and my aunt like just a crazy house with the whole family lived in it was really strange there for a couple of years but top gun was on a lot like on on, on vhs was that your doing and no no not me because uh whenever i would hear I I knew that was my cue to leave the room because when that song would come on, my my grandma would be like, "Oh, okay, Jason." She like get me and like usher all the kids out of the room because that was the the sex scene. So Top Gun was one of those movies that I always wondered what was like what was happening in that scene. Oh my god! And I remember like peeking through the doorway and seeing like the the silhouettes and seeing like Tom Cruise kissing like. Kelly McGillis's Adam's apple or what or I don't know maybe that, she was kissing his Adam's apple I don't know I remember there was an Adam's apple but anyway so is that song like a trigger for you I, if you hear it now out in public you're like I have to leave the room I leave, I'll get up like, what? from a restaurant why, why is he leaving the room out if I <laughs> oh yeah so anyway um i wonder what that was i remember years like later i was like i need i need to find out what this is i remember watching it and it's just like them like they don't even really do it it's like a, a silhouette in front of like blue lighting it's it's not even very sexual but my grandma was a, a very uh conservative lady she would <laughs> usher me out um and then I remember years later too. Uh, Top Gun became. Uh, I found Top Gun on like the the upper shelf of the closet, and uh, the Top Gun cover became a cover for a uh, porno that uh, my stepfather <laughs> on the, was hiding on the top so. rack. Where, where, yeah, where was up that? on the, the the top rack. <laughs> um, getting personal here on Screen Fix. Very uh, very personal. Yeah, it's life fix. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Top Gun. Do you have a suggestion for his new love interest now that they're not going to go with Kelly McGillis? Lady Juan. Um, I just need it to be somebody over the age of 40 because uh, Tom Cruise is 50. So let's not be weird. Um, but I was thinking <laughs> probably just because I'm generally like I have a lady crush on her. Um, Marissa Tomei. Oh. Yeah. Like she wouldn't do I shit. like it. Yeah. The posy traction on an '87 Blazer. <laughs> oh, I love does, her. Does the defense's case hold water? <laughs> no, it, it doesn't, doesn't hold water. It doesn't hold water. Oh. Anyway, be still anyway, my no. beating heart. I think yeah, that's a good suggestion, yeah. Lady Juan. Yeah, uh, Mustachio, do you have one? Oh, can you man. can you beat that? Well. Y'all know me. I have my vices and and uh, my oh god, I know who this is gonna be. <laughs> is it Big Bird? 
Here we go. I mean, Tom Cruise isn't going to want Big Bird in the scene. Um, Big Bird? Unless, unless, like, Big Bird's we covered do. in blow and it's, like, the Ameri- <laughs> American maid or whatever. Um, let's see. How about... Yeah, you saw this coming. Holly Hunter. I did. Yeah. Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter, <laughs> yeah. your, your strange... Hollywood crush. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I kind of don't want to give her away to it. Tom Cruise. But. She's gonna, she's gonna talk to him out of the corner of her mouth. <laughs> Maverick. <laughs> Maverick. Maverick. You can't be leaving the family's cockpit here. You have to. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. So you, you, they, you can't just, you can't just eject out of every argument. Maverick, don't leave the kids at home. <laughs> Maverick. <laughs> yeah. That's that, that's my thought. So the impression of Holly Hunter for everyone out there, if you didn't listen to episode one or whatever that was, I think. <laughs> you can do Holly Hunter by just talking out of the corner of your mouth with, yeah. <laughs> with keep, a southern Keep accent. your teeth together. And, oh, yeah. And keep your teeth together. You don't really put up with any, any nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like really put your foot down on like hard stances a lot and have like a thick southern draw. Make a yeah. make a hard stance and never open your teeth. Can't have that, doing... Maverick. You can't have that at all. Kids need you, Maverick. <laughs> oh yes, that, if she was in that, that would be Incredibles. Uh, I, would, I would, I would love that. <laughs> oh. Anyway, that's that's great. Love my uh, my desire is for uh, the love interest to be uh, Meg Ryan. Who, who, was boom, 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 original, who was in the original? Who was in the original? And uh, yeah. she was Goose's uh, Goose's love interest. Yeah, um, that would be nice. Poor yeah, Goose. you know, I mean, Goose died in 1986. Spoiler alert! Yeah. It's time to get. <laughs> it's time to get. It's time to get back on the. You know, it's time to get your groove back. It's time to put on your traveling pants. It's time to have girls night it's time to get back on the I, what do what do women say katie I, I, no that that's totally it you nailed it that's 100 percent how we talk <laughs> oh <my laughs> that's how holly hunter talks <laughs> do we got we got a game rock going <laughs> anyway okay so i think it should be uh meg ryan but that's going to do it for our news this week. We're going to move on to our screen fix. Okay, so this week's screen fix. Uh, we saw The Greatest Showman because I'm bossy and I asked everyone to see it. And I'm very deeply sorry <laughs> for causing all of that to you. Oh, it's not that you. bad. Um, no, I, I, I actually didn't go to the theater uh, I refused, oh. and I actually saw the entire movie uh, with a Turkish dub. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the characters were, of course, still speaking English, but uh, they were also... Uh, somebody would immediately, after they said something English, speak Turkish. Also, halfway through it, the entire film paused to play a Turkish uh, rap video. Nice. That sounds nice. Yeah. Yeah, and who doesn't appreciate a good intermission? There you go. <laughs> it's very true. Uh, but I also well, do hate you for even making me do that. <laughs> oh yeah, gosh. you're welcome. For not having to um, leave the house. <laughs> I, it was not great, but you know what? I picked a good one because there's a lot yeah. to talk about. 
So the reason that I picked this movie is because, well, one, when I first saw the trailer, I was intrigued by the concept of a movie about P.T. Barnum because um, just I learned about him in school, about his invention of publicity, really, and just his whole story. And so I knew enough about him to go, oh, that doesn't seem like his story. <laughs> this seems like it's full of a bunch of nonsense. And then there was the embargo on reviews on this movie until mm-hmm. it came out while it was simultaneously nominated for Best Picture, Comedy, or Musical for the Golden Globes, even though nobody had seen it and nobody was allowed to say what they thought of it. (laughs) Interesting. So that sounded suspicious, and I thought, you know what? We need to see it and say what we think. Um, But for background on how it's doing in the theater, um, it has made $85 million at the domestic box office as of um, January 12th. And another eighty million foreign, so it's raking in the well, cash. I also feel like uh, it has- it's one of those movies that is coming on slowly. I I I, I think I think I read that mm-hmm. it, it didn't open very well, and but right. I heard that within the last week and that it was out weekend week to week, it only dropped something like fourteen percent. So right now it's yeah, like holding. It's, it started slow, but it's crushing. Um, it. It has a 90% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes. What? Um, what? How is 55% that? How? rotten, what? though. <laughs> but 90% audience. People love they, this movie. They... I'm telling you, my theater applauded. You know why? Because people love Maroon 5 and Katy Perry. Mm. And that's what all of these songs were. <laughs> Man. Yeah. They were they were straight up pop songs. A- every song was, um, You're gonna hear me wrong. <laughs> That actually would have made sense. (laughs) There are lions. Like, Uh, oh man, mm -hmm. missed opportunity. Okay. So before we get into our fixes, um, do you want to go over what you think the plot is, JC? Me? Oh, the the tables have turned. And (laughs) I don't. Uh I like it on the other side of the table. Okay. uh, Yeah, so... Oh man! Without the okay, Turkish with- dubbing, what is this? <laughs> what were you so able to interpret? <laughs> so the young Turkish boy, no, uh, <laughs> no. Um, so he he was a kid, and he wasn't allowed to, I guess, talk to or have feelings for some other young girl. And uh, you know, even the guy, the the father or something of the daughter, was that what it was? Was the father the daughter? Or was it his father? Yes, he he's a tailor's son. They're broke, they're poor. Yeah. Nobody cares about them, and he makes the client's daughter yes. laugh. And the client slaps and him, spit, and yeah. yeah. And the dad is totally fine with somebody else assaulting yes. his so child. Then, then they okay. both go out to the beach and sing a song about dreams, 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 and uh, mm-hmm. a montage later. He's he. They're in New York City, and he's walking up, and he's grabbing the girl, and he's marrying the girl, he's having <laughs> kids, and he's got an apartment, and he's on he's a rooftop, singing to her. and he's singing to her, and more mm-hmm. dreams, 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 millions of dreams, millions Just of dreams. When I go to sleep, um, so when he goes to mm-hmm. sleep, he can't sleep because a million dreams and dreams and dreams. <laughs> the dreams right, are the keeping dreams him awake. Let him he's sleep, comatose. and. Uh, which they they make Ambien for that, uh, or <laughs> yeah. Lunesta. But uh, anyway, um, 
this is the olden times. I don't know what the, the cure for that was in the industrial rep, rep revolution. Opium. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, they would have. Opium. <laughs> Opium. Yeah. It was the cure for everything. Hub some of this on your teeth. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they, um, let me see. So then he is working at some, I don't know, some ship shipyard place or, or something. Like or a trading, a trading company. Trading company and... Uh, they're they're going under, but he steals the deeds to some mm-hmm. boats that sunk, and he uses those deeds as collateral to buy a museum of oddities. After he mm-hmm. has an epiphany after being on a rooftop and spinning a light spinny toy that I thought was going to make like shapes and like a story on the sheet, but no, it just mm-hmm. made white rectangles but anyway that was enough to inspire him to buy a museum of oddities and then he's like oh the museum's not good enough i know what i need i need freaks and then he has Super a freak. 20 a Super 20 second freak. conversation with tom thumb a one minute conversation with bearded lady and suddenly he's having casting calls and now he's got a whole freak team oh, and they go marching out call. and all of this is like the first 10 minutes by the way <laughs> that's what's crazy about all of this the freaks march out. They do a dance number. They're a sensation, and then they get invited to England, to UK, to the UK, to uh, Buckingham Palace to perform. And uh, when Barnum is there, he meets this woman by the name of something Lind, um, Jenny, Jenny Lind, and uh, she is beautiful and talented. And he he casts the freaks aside, and uh, they have a song like. Oh, we're not gonna be kept down, but but he still takes off with Lind, and he travels across the United States with Lind, and she's a sensation, but she has feelings for him. And then while he's gone, he leaves the freaks in the care of Carlisle, and Carlisle is Zac Efron, and he needs Zac Efron Ooh. to gain some sort of uh, white collar kind of. To gain some legitimacy in his business. That's also why, right, some some, uh, he wants to be not seen as a, a joke or like providing like low class entertainment. And that's also why mm-hmm. he latches on to Lind. And there's a subplot where Carlisle, played by Zach Efron, likes uh, Zendaya, the trapeze girl, but she's ethnic and he can't be seen in public like that. But then he. Which they never say. They just let you yes. understand right. that that's what it is because this movie is afraid right. to say that. So, and then that causes trouble or something. And then, and then people show up and they burn down the, 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 the theater, which is very weird because the person who seems to be yelling at the freaks the most keeps buying tickets to see the show. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. he's in the crowd like, I hate freaks. I'm like, why is he buying tickets to every show? Um, so, um, then uh, the Lind, the singer, uh, has feelings mm-hmm. for Barnum, and Barnum does not return the feelings. But then on stage, she kisses him on the mouth and is like, gotcha, bitch. And then <laughs> that gets produced in the papers, and that makes it back to the wife. And then the wife leaves him, and then he's down on his luck. He's down on his luck for exactly the length of one beer. <laughs> And then the freaks come back, and then he's like, all right, I've got my freaks again. Let's, instead of doing a, a, a show at my 
theater. We're going to take this on the road. Chugga, 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 choo-choo. And then we've got the the birth of the the train and the, the whole uh, circus show. Um, and then they all storm out and put on one last show. And uh, Barnum gives the reins to Carlisle. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's that's it. And then my whole theater clapped louder than I've ever heard like before. In an uproar of applause. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? Um, yes. So, yeah, that that's the movie in case you don't want to sit through it. That, that's <laughs> yeah, that. That was pretty good. But we're not just going to complain and nitpick. There were things that we liked, right? Yes. Like, there's yeah. got to be something. So, yeah, um... <laughs> Well, since since you sound so enthusiastic, Greg, what did you like about it? <laughs> well, all right. So I love movies, you know, typically about kind of sideshows, you know, freaks or the disenfranchised. And so I, it's a I huge kinda, genre. I, I, yeah, no, it's 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 not huge. It's it's not usually not blockbuster material. Um, uh, but no. So what I what I liked about it was it tried it tried to really show you know this open mindedness this appreciation of others that you don't understand, even though it was all fluff and pop and it kind of came at it from all, all these like fake reasons that aren't true. But that's okay, whatever. Um, but the the fact that it tried and like the critic in the okay. movie said, he said I wouldn't call it art, but it was still a celebration of humanity. And I, I was like that's hmm. that was well put, man. That's nice. Well put, character, giving us the point of the film on the nose. <laughs> right, right. Man, get that guy in the writer's room. Man. Like, he did everything in that scene but turn to the crowd and go, right? <laughs> Are you with me? Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Camera one. I guess I'll, I'll just jump in with what I well, yeah. what I liked about it. I thought the movie was breathtaking from a, a visuals standpoint. I thought the cinematography and the direction was outstanding. There were some really powerful scenes and powerful shots in this in this movie. Lavish scenery and just really just I don't know like just powerful money shots. Like there's a scene at the end where they come bursting out of their like dress up tent to go into the main tent and when they burst out Barnum is in the front and the freaks are right behind him and there there's elephants right behind them and it's like slow motion and the lighting is cra- is 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 perfect and everyone looks lavish and the way they're even standing they're like standing leaning forward in a very powerful stance and you're like oh my god this is just so good when the freaks go bursting into the uh uh the party when they're in london also just just powerfully shot powerfully filmed um i thought this movie was absolutely beautiful visually and that that's my biggest biggest compliment to pay to the movie Mm, yeah yeah yeah, i i agree it was very very pretty so i i liked hugh jackman's um enthusiasm like he clearly was so pumped to do this like every single moment he was like at 11 and you know sometimes sometimes you don't always get that so I Harrison was Ford, really Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just for example. So yeah, I I loved his enthusiasm. It definitely kept me even though I wasn't enjoying the movie the whole time, it kept me engaged because you can't look away from he's him. So like charismatic. he's just so he's so charismatic. He's so vibrant. He's singing, he's dancing. He's just like 
performing the hell out of this love story between a man and his top hat. And it is just, it is, that is as deep as it feels. It's just like, look at my hat. Like, it's just every dance move is with the hat. And um, it's, he's great. That being said, it, it's not enough. Um, but there was one particular, so the songs are good. The songs are radio good. They're, they're Katy Perry good. They're, they're fine. Um, I bet kids everywhere will, would love this. They don't even need a kid's bop well, version. It's already that, there. That's also like one of the issues is that they sound like a song that could just be on the radio and not necessarily from any movie. Oh, yeah. There's nothing to, to tie these songs to this movie. It's bit like really the songs were almost like breaks from the narrative to sing a song. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the only time that the song seemed to be in line with the narrative was the song between Barnum and Carlisle when when he's trying to convince Carlisle to partner with him. Oh. And that was probably yes. my, my favorite song in, in, in the entire thing. Same. I loved that scene. It was funny it was a good song it was a great performance by the two of them um and that bartender just serving up shots and sliding them all down the bar it was really really good and i like broke out into this big huge grin during that scene and then immediately got self-conscious that if anybody looked at me they'd think that i liked this movie <laughs> <laughs> um, but but no that part is great that part was really, really good. Look, Fran. Like, oh, she loves Look, it. Fran, the movie finally got her. I know she's going to give an applause. <laughs> I will, too. <laughs> yeah. I'm, oh, God. What if I accidentally cued people up to <laughs> applaud? <laughs> oh, no. Um, so, yeah, th- that that I really enjoyed. Um, that scene in particular, just Hugh Jackman the whole time, just killing it. Yes. So there were definitely some some positives to it. It wasn't wasn't a total mess. I think we can safe, safely say. Okay. Are we ready to fix this movie? Let's fix it up. Let's do it. I got my duct tape. I got my Neosporin. All right. I got... <laughs> what? Why? <laughs> Are you worried about infection That's from a... this movie? Okay. So speak, <laughs> speaking of duct tape, um, I'll go oh, ahead and boy. start us off because okay. I felt like there was uh, some wardrobe malfunctions going on. The, uh, the Siamese twins, um, they just seemed like brothers with their arms around each other because they weren't their suits just came apart as they were dancing. And so that, that doesn't make them Siamese twins. That right? just makes them twins. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. So what's up with that? And Tattoo Man seemed like he was wearing like a, a tattoo sleet with sleeves from Walgreens. Uh, that was distracting. Like the costume sleeve? Yeah. Like, a like, co- like the one you buy for Halloween costumes? Yeah. And it's got like the flesh tone look to it. Actually, that, it's actually that, that actor's arm. He's just really like wrinkly. And those were. Oh, no. The creases now I feel from bad. his wrinkly arm that oh, you gosh. thought were fabric. Oh man! Now uh, you I'm gonna jerk. Ha- I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to fact check that one, and uh, I'll, I'll get back with my remarks on that. So okay, so you had wardrobe problems. How would you? How would you fix that? I mean, those uh, I would address. I feel like that that guy should have had you know a little bit better wardrobe to to portray someone who's clad in tattoos all over their body. Now they they don't have to go like all American horror story like in freak show uh with that where they actually did hire somebody who is covered in tattoos and him 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 the suits better for these Siamese twins brothers so they don't look like they're actually separating back and forth as they're dancing. All right, so another thing, you know, I I like these movies that kind of portray this this side of society um because you know my my heart is open to them like like 
my empathy is there. I can, I feel like I can live in their shoes. Hold on, Greg, are you a freak? You know what? I, I don't, I don't know what my affliction is, but I'm pretty sure I am. You could just go to Walgreens to get some of those sleeves. Yes. <laughs> All right, sold. All right, I'm gonna have to retract that first fix then. Um, Perfect. All right, in the mustache. So for for the fact that they were doing this type of like application line, like American Idol or something, like oh this is gonna be great. I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get the job. I'm gonna be the uh, I'm gonna be the, the the fattest man. I'm gonna be you know I'm gonna be the leopard person. I, I don't know. I, I felt like that was like a little insensitive. And I know they're coming at it with like fluff and fun, and so they can't really be like, hey look, you know this is a side of society that really sticks to their own. They feel safe with one another. They plan things together. They they live in the same kind of communities sometimes. For this right here, I would say a fix would be instead of him going up to the bearded lady and and each one of these people, maybe him going up to Tom Thumb in the beginning and talking him into it and letting him know. Then Tom Thumb actually being his like, you know, recruiting man so that, that that person can actually say like, hey, look, this is what I see. This is what like this is who we are. And this is what we can come together. So have a safe place where they're powerful in front of an audience. I don't know. That's this is the thought. I like it. I like the idea of having Tom Thumb or the Bearded Lady or some of the showcased quote unquote freaks being more in control of that recruiting and and having more of a place of power instead of just being everybody answers to mm-hmm. Barnum. Yeah, so come that one, would be come nicer all. and feel a little bit less exploitive and gross which it's definitely more impactful than you look like a dog you're in yeah yeah (laughs) yeah uh do you bark do you have six nipples yeah he makes him jump up on the table i know (laughs) it's literally jump say how high lick your own balls it's 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 icky it could have been a much more empowering scene to see the freaks being involved in that selection process so to speak good fix good fix um yeah you got one jc yeah um i my fix goes all the way to the beginning um okay yeah i have a fix for the beginning the middle and the end so (laughs) is it a new movie it is a new movie when i when, when i'm done with it this thing's nominated for an oscar a turkish a turkish oscar a turkish oscar this one's gonna be a, this one's gonna be nominated for an Oscar Meyer. Oscar Meyer cri- Turkey. Were those crickets? Oh boy. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, did it in cricket? I thought yeah, I, 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 it's cool. winter. I'm, uh, maybe. All right. Okay. All right. Damn it. All right. Hit us with the fix. Okay. So anyway, my problem is everything happens so fast in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. He sings the song. He's a little boy. He sings songs. Dream, dream, dreams. He's he marries the girl. He's got the apartment. He's got the kids, which I think is a pretty nice apartment for like industrial revolution, uh, Manhattan yeah. or whatever. That was a pretty nice place. And they're always like hanging out on the on the roof because right. in Rooftop because access? in That's yeah, great. because in, in musicals, I feel like everybody hangs out on the roof uh, mm-hmm. and sings. Yes. Uh, it's a requirement. Right. Then suddenly the place where he's working is shutting down and then he decides that he wants to buy a museum of oddities and then he decides he wants to make a show of freaks. I don't know where that motivation comes from because his motivation seems to be I'm poor and I want to get the girl. He's poor and he gets the girl. I don't know where this, the fascination with opening a museum of uh, fantastic objects and mm-hmm. having a show full of uh, you know uh, unique people uh, comes from. 
because right. there's nothing shown in his childhood that would make him, that is driving him towards that. And mm-hmm. my fix is that I feel like maybe the thing that he is showing the girl or makes the girl giggle or something is perhaps, you know, maybe he's reading her like fantastic stories or maybe mm-hmm. he's showing her fantastical drawings of like, uh, uh, other worlds or, you know, fantastic beasts or fantastic people or just, you know, fantasy world stuff. And maybe even the dad says, oh, you live in a, a, a fantasy world. And in a fantasy world, you know, that's the only place where you're going to get this girl, you know, oh, in a, in a, in a mm-hmm. world of, you know, whatever. I just, I wanted to see his creative mind, his right. imagination, some kind of like connection to whimsy and wonder exactly and there was none of that and nope and so that's why my first fix would be my first fix would be to make you know that first scene with him and the little girl and the the her dad slapping him in the face involves some kind of scene of uh where he's showing her some kind of you know something with whimsy and and yeah. wonder and 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 he's being not only castigated and put down for wanting that girl but also for living in a in a fantasy world mm-hmm. good fix fixed it <laughs> duct tape <laughs> that was me applying duct tape i don't know what that was it almost sounded to like what looking an actual duck uh I don't that was that was interesting <laughs> sorry hold on this is me biting the tape <laughs> this is me putting it on Okay. <laughs> Fixed. <laughs> Good. I like the fix. I, what about I you, Lady agree. One? Um, well, my first fix of a few would be, <laughs> um, I, I agree with your fix, JC, that we should have more of the childhood be part of the movie. Like, spend a little longer being invested in, like, poor little sad um, PT. orphaned PT. Um, we see that his dad dies, but we see it for like five seconds while he's standing next to a wooden coffin. Like, that's it. That's the only thing that we see. So I really feel like the childhood, especially since he already knows Charity, who he goes on to marry, I feel like there's a good reason to spend a little bit more time on his childhood. Like JC said, establishing that he's a dreamer and he's creative and he's just you know, maybe he's always getting into trouble because he's always daydreaming. You know, something like that. Like, really show us why th- that he's this fanciful person. And he has so ambition. Totally yeah. agree with yeah. that. But then let's maybe spend some more time on like the younger version of that couple because they don't do anything to de-age them. And Hugh Jackman is forty nine, and Michelle Williams is thirty seven, and we're led to see that she comes back from boarding school and he goes to her dad's house and. For whatever reason, her dad says, sure, you can take her, but she'll be back. But they look <laughs> her, her, they look like middle-aged adults. A- apparently, her dad's requirement was height. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kind of like a circus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Must be this tall me, to ride my daughter. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, Al. Oh, man. It's okay. It's okay. But so, yeah. So the casting to me was weird. They didn't do anything to show that they age. Um, she still has the same long blonde wig the entire movie. They, sh- she's wearing a wig. They could have given her a different wig when she's like young, newlywed Mrs. Barnum versus when she's Mrs. Barnum with two kids. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, those kids never age either. So they're like nine or ten years old or something. I can only assume this entire movie takes cor- takes place in the course of six months because his elementary school age children are the same size wow. <laughs> the whole time. He did a lot in a short time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So your big issue is that it like nobody seems to feel the effects of the passage of time. Yeah. So right, you're not yeah, your you're not giving me anything to tie this struggle to. Yeah. As far as I can tell, the struggle Ooh, yeah. has taken as long in real life as it's taken on screen, which was thirty <laughs> minutes until the first first show was sold out. Yeah. So I would have liked to seen to see longer child and charity PT or uh, longer child. I can't say that right. Longer time with PT and charity being kids. Then maybe like teenagers and I don't know, have somebody else play them. It's okay. People change as they grow up. And then like, let us see them. Okay, now they're, they've been married for 10 years. They've got two kids and she really thought he was going to make something of himself by now and he just hasn't. So I would have liked to see some sort of establishment of the passing of time because they don't even tell us what year this movie is happening. So just very simple. Just give us like 1850 on the bottom of the screen. Hit me with five years later. Or at least show me that they, other than those two kids showing up, I wouldn't have known that they hadn't been married for two weeks when he got laid off from his job. Right, Like, unless they just stole those kids. So, yeah, I really, I struggled with that. Would you age the the kids? You could have a baby, you know, hold a baby and talk about how he got laid off that day. And then there's a little girl sitting next to him when he first, oh, (laughs) yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, use different kids. Have, like, toddlers when he first gets laid off and then have little girls there when he finally has a circus. Yeah. It doesn't have to all seem like it took 10 minutes. You're right. Like, it seems like from the time he starts the show to the time mm-hmm. he goes to London to the time he... Right. And the time it takes him to take that girl on the tour of the whole United States. Yeah, she was going to do, like, 100 shows. From the time that, you know, his theaters burn down and all that stuff and when the he loses his wife, like, the kids are, like, are are literally the same age as when the theater the started. The whole time. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, that's that's something that I think casting different children, casting different people to show that it's changing through time, I think that would really go a long way to establishing that there has been a struggle. Mm-hmm. There have, have been hardships. And that's why the success is so uplifting is because you saw him when he was down. But it's like, no, everybody seemed pretty chill about living in the apartment and those girls seemed the same that's it was um it was something that i think could help the emotional weight of the movie good fix duct tape ready (laughs) perfect all right who's got another one Uh, so with um with the way that the movie kind of goes we have like i i just found myself during the movie just saying oh logan oh you know i i i just i wanted there to be i don't know i wanted there to be more emotion to the film like the song uh, "Never Enough" uh, was kind of like an emotional mm-hmm. highlight of the film, and that's that's when like uh, Jenny Lind. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, the, the yeah, the Jenny Lind song when yeah. she was singing, it, like you know, she was almost brought to tears. The audience, he was he was like awestruck. It was beautiful. Yeah. but then the real emotional kind of uh, crescendo should have been like the "This Is Me" dance number, where you know these like um, sideshow performers are now ready to let you know these. Uh, bourgeois members of society know Mm -hmm. that they're here they have a voice they're human beings too i felt like that should have been something more but it was not it was wasted on oh wait we already brought the emotional you know you know uh, peak at the 
point where she's in the opera house or something. So I, I, I would have fixed it by making sure that the this is me number didn't seem like it was just thrown together. I wanted, I wanted that one to be put together in a better way. My fix goes along with that fix. Yeah. So okay. I thought that largely that the freaks were treated as one collective character. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was an issue. I thought, okay, there's only a couple characters in this movie. Barnum, the wife, Jenny Lind, Carlisle, Zendaya gets to be her own character. But then the freaks, because the freaks, yeah. they sing their songs together. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're treated very much as one collective character. And I think that's why some of their songs don't reach the emotional heights that they should. Mm-hmm. And I thought that some of that could have been changed with giving a few of the individual freaks their own song or having one song where each individual freak gets their own group of verse telling you their telling you their backstory uh Mm -hmm. i want to know the hardships of the bearded lady uh, her when she's a kid and what she went through i want to know what it's like to be tom thumb i you know i i want him singing the song like life's a chore when you're four foot four i mean (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not exactly like that but, yeah it was, but you know yeah. like i want to hear his you know story you know i i yeah. you know i want the bearded lady life is scary when you're hairy like i you know <laughs> not that not exactly that but, but you know i want yeah. you know i i i wanted either the freaks to get individual songs like maybe pick five of them like to be your main five yeah. like to be your main five freaks and give those your tier one right, freaks, and give your tier one freaks either their own number or their own part of a song perspective where, yeah. where right where where you get their perspective on things and they're not just part of the freaks cattle call the freaks mm-hmm. cattle call that we got yeah. and that's why when they're singing you know it should be super powerful but because i don't know the hardships they've gone through i just know that they have a physical a physical challenge but i don't know the story of their life beyond that and that's why some of those songs ring hollow yeah my fix is to spend more time on individual (laughs) individual spend more time on individual freaks uh Mm -hmm. so that we truly understand uh what they're going through give them song time that's my fix yes (laughs) duct tape fixed i I think that would help quite a bit. I actually was surprised when I was watching this movie that the bearded lady essentially had like two lines that weren't in song because mm-hmm. I thought having heard the the this is me song that that's like the big song from it that's it's on the radio um it's not the song from the movie that's on the radio. It's Kesha singing it. We're not going to worry about that. But it's the same song. And I knew this was the big number. It was nominated and it won for Best Original Song at the Golden Globes. I thought she was going to be like this standout character um, who was essentially kind of the leader of the freaks. And I thought she was going to be important. And she, she, I really think she has like two lines that are not in song. I don't know her name. I just know her as the bearded lady. A super freak. Um, I don't. I mean, I we don't know the freaks' names. Like that's how little yeah. character development well, there is how, for that. I know yeah. there's General Tom Thumb, but that's his stage name, and she's the bearded lady. Like there's nothing there for her. And I thought this was gonna be a, a character in the movie, and she was just 
like a person. A character. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't there. I was disappointed. And that song really, like you said, JC, it rings hollow because we don't know anything about her. And she's also singing that, like she gets that angry, okay, let's sing this song and be us at P.T. Barnum. Like he's the bad guy at that second. And I thought this whole movie was about how great he is. So that that was really, really odd. So I think you're right. Having knowing more about those individual characters, giving them their own lines from in songs, giving them their own um, dialogue would be great. Yeah, really. Um, all that could could really go a long way. Awesome. Okay, I have um I have another fix that's like really minor in the grand scheme yeah, of things. Get out the back, teen. <laughs> so on the tour with Jenny Lind. They have like an emotional connection, but he's not going to cheat because he's a good guy and he would never do that and that upsets her. And so she has to end the tour, but she kisses him on stage right as the show is ending. The flashbulbs go off. We slow-mo to show that a photograph has been taken and my audience gasped at like, <gasps> oh no, everyone's going to find out. And then, um, where, where you know, did later- you, did you see? you see this at like a matinee like who, who was this all like who, was the director who, who there who did you see this with that they were gasping families <laughs> no they did it was families for days there were so many kids in there so yeah so the flashbulb goes off there's smoke because it's old-timey photos and we see that they took a photo of that moment and we worry right then like oh no charity is gonna see this and she's going to think something happened. We know that it didn't, but oh no, how could she? She's going to be so upset. And then we go back to New York and it's on the front page of the newspaper. And it's a drawing of the two of them. Like, I thought the whole thing was that they took a photo. Why is there not the photo in the newspaper? Like, that's so basic. Yeah, couldn't, Why wasn't couldn't that, that be like 1850s fake news, like to draw it? <laughs> Yes, it was. I was this is what we suspect is so happening over that. at the royal house. Yeah, I, don't know. I was very upset about that because it's not like I assumed that a picture was taken and why is it a drawing? They showed a picture being taken. Yeah. This is their own thing that they did. Maybe it was blurry. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? He probably blinked. You know, his eyes were closed. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So that that seemed. It seems pretty minor in the grand scheme of things as we're complaining about lack of character development and emotional depth that there's not a photograph, <laughs> but it was frustrating because yeah. they, they led you to believe that a photograph was taken of that moment and then there's no payoff on it. Yeah. So I actually, I feel like to be true to the character of P.T. Barnum, who is fine with being a little deceptive if it gets the people in the door and show them a little and he's putting padding in the fat guy's suit and he's putting mm-hmm. stilts on the tall guy like he's a, he's an exaggerator yeah. he's a bit of a liar he's deceptive that's his thing like that's what we know to be show. true of the circus right and so he's obviously someone who wants to be in the newspapers who wants the attention you know all, all publicity is good publicity to P.T. Barnum. And he, I would have loved if he came home from the tour ending with Jenny and he's on the front page of the newspaper kissing her and the tour is over and everybody's in a scandal. And if he had said to Charity something like, well, of course it's not true, but look at this publicity will be sold out for days. Mm. And if he was just so happy about the coverage and she was so upset because he valued the publicity more than her being publicly humiliated. Yeah. That's a better fight. That's more true to P.T. Barnum as a character. Like that, and that would hold more depth because really she's just like, I'm taking the kids. 
And th- th- that's just weird to understand that that's it. Yeah. I, th- I think that that would have been a much better fight and not a fight you're going to see in every movie. Sure, every movie can have a, oh, I saw you making eyes at her. Oh, no, I wouldn't. But no, like this is a man who loved attention and publicity and didn't care if they were lies. Good so fix. that would yeah. be a much that's better a good fix. Understanding of good fix. Make the noise. There it is. Fix. <laughs> Duct tape. Um, I have a last fix. Okay. Last fix comes towards the end of the movie. Okay. So, <laughs> after everything, theater burns down. And a hush falls over the crowd. Wife leaves him. Uh-huh. He goes to a bar. He mm-hmm. sits down. And he suffers <laughs> for the length of a beer <laughs> in this movie. He's down and out for the length of a beer. I don't even know if he finishes the beer. It might be half a beer, for all I know. Mm-hmm. But that's all he suffers in this movie. Like... That's as long as he's down and out. And then the, you know, the freaks come in and he's like, I am singing. I blah. He says something like, this led me back to you. And I'm like, what? Mm. Like, why are the freaks coming to bail him out? He's the one who rejected them in mm-hmm. London. Carlisle is the one that stuck with them. Yeah. You... Uh, abandon them you you took off on this quest to find legitimacy because the freaks were not good enough right. for you you were embarrassed and now everything led me back to you no what should have happened is he should have been down and out he should have had to get a new crappy place pay for the damage of all of the you know i, I don't know he should have been uh down and out he should have seen Carlisle and Zendaya living happily, you know, not rich, but living happily. He should have seen his freaks, not rich, but finding uh, each other, finding a new family. And uh, he needed to realize that he needed them. Mm-hmm. And it was him that needed to have the realization that he needs them. They don't need him so much especially anymore and he needed to go groveling back to them and beg them for acceptance and forgiveness he shouldn't have drank half a beer and had the freaks come and bail him out yeah that would have rang so much truer it would have been so much more emotionally impactful it would have shown a character arc and that would have been a better ending was for him to have to grovel to the freaks and to Carlisle and to Zendaya and tell them that he made mistakes. They might not even take him back right away. You know what I mean? He needed to suffer more for his actions. And then it would have been great if he had given it over to Carlisle before they went on the train. Like, I'm willing to thank you for letting me be part of this again. You're the leader now. I'm indebted to the freaks. I'm indebted to all of you. Mm-hmm. Let's go do this traveling circus thing. But with his name, P.T. Barnum's? Well, with his name on it, but he needs them, yeah. Right? right? Yeah, yeah. And that's my fix for the end of the film. Finn. I like it. Cool. So I have um, one last final thought on the movie. It's not a fix. Is that okay with you guys? You yeah. Are you going to have a final no! thought on the movie okay. too? Yes. Well, yeah. Okay, yes. Okay. Um, so I have a, a last final thought on this movie. So um, I knew a little bit of P.T. Warnham before I went into it, having learned about him in school. Um, and then 
of course, after it, when I was very confused by the entire movie, I went and did the rest of the research that I assume nobody did when they wrote this. No. no. And, um, because at first when I left, I was like, oh, I bet P.T. Barnum would have hated that movie because it wasn't what happened at all. Um, like there was nothing about how he started a newspaper before he got into the circus. There was nothing about, um, how he basically raised General Tom Thumb to become a performer. He was just a regular guy and he like gave him this amazing life as a world famous celebrity. Like there was, there was no real showing of what he did because he did have actual contributions. In the movie, he really doesn't do anything. He just like gets them in a room. We don't see them train him training people or helping Mm -mm. them. So I thought at first I was like, he would definitely hate this movie. But then I found out that through my research, I was reading that P.T. Barnum did obviously own a theater for a while before the whole circus thing. And um, he used to put on like watered down family versions of Shakespeare plays. And, really? like, he even did Uncle Tom's Cabin as, like, a happy ending. <laughs> um, wow. So he did, he definitely, he would have so loved oh. this movie because it was, like, super family friendly, full of fluff. Yeah, it was just cotton candy. There was no substance. It was the watered down version and, of his life. Um, yeah, I bet P.T. Barnum would have loved this. So I for sure got humbugged by this movie, just like the people did when they went to see the circus show. Like, mm. it, it was so meta. Yeah. It was so Oh, meta. and he would have loved, like, that Hugh Jackman played him because his actual picture, have you ever seen that Oh, he don't look like Hugh Jackman. Oh, man. He looks, you know, who he, you know who he looks like? He looks like the, uh, I would say the Chancellor from Dune. Like, like he is grotesque looking. That is disturbing. He ain't no Hugh Jackman. He ain't no Hugh Jackman. Oh yeah. Wow. Okay. Good. All right. <laughs> Great ending. Fixed. All fixed. Consider this film fixed. fixed. Uh, okay. So that has been our screen fix of Greatest Showman. We thought we were gonna hate the Lady Wan, but this was. <laughs> you could never. <laughs> so, oh, uh, no, no. The movie. No. The movie. It was a lot of fun to just talk about this one and fix yeah. this one. And uh, does anyone have any uh, final thoughts this week? Do you have any, Mustachio? Yeah, actually. Um, so, this movie kind of sparked an interest in me to revisit, you know, kind of like circusy stuff. So, if you wish to revisit some, I'll give you a list Mr. Mustachio's list of Cirque de Macabre. Um, you can watch movies like Seven Faces of Dr. Lau. It's an oldie but goldie. Big Fish. Todd Browning's Freaks. You can even watch Primus's Mr. Crinkle music video. That'll get you going. Carnival and or just go, go see American Horror Story Freak Show. That one is truly a freak show. So that's my list of the macabre. Thank you. Wow. Excellent Creepy. If you want to have nightmares for days. Please. Oh, yeah, that, that's going to happen. <laughs> Pay attention to that. Freaks list. is an amazing film. Right. Uh, uh, <laughs> Lady Juan, any final thought? Um, no, just hit us up on Twitter, guys. Um, anything you want to hear us talk about, um, a movie you think we should be fixing, questions, news, whatever you got, we're on Twitter at ScreenFixPod. You can also email us if you're afraid of Twitter, uh, ScreenFixPod at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Good. We did get one tweet from Dr. Uh, quesadilla asking us our thoughts on on the <laughs> on the um what's what's his name um bob odenkirk apparently bob odenkirk is getting his own like gun fu uh uh actioner uh john wick style <laughs> i'm um, i'm only into it if david cross is in it too 
Like, let's do full <laughs> oh, Bob yeah. and David. Yes. Let's do it. I, I want to see them with guns. <laughs> Quesadilla, we will address that one very soon. And thank you. Keep on contacting us on Twitter, sending us emails. And uh, you can also donate to the show on Patreon. We do have a Patreon account. You can look up Screen Fix. And uh, it is our dream to continue producing the show for you. Uh, It is also our dream to open a one-screen independent theater. Uh, which will be the home for podcasting as well as movie festivals and other really fun movie-related activities. So check that out. And this has been another episode of Screen, Screen Freaks. I've never Bye. ended it that way. I don't know how I feel about that. We can't be done yet. We have to tell them where to listen to us. Oh, uh, where can you find us to listen to, Mustachio? Uh, we're on... You gotta stop asking him. He doesn't know. Jesus. <laughs> I, okay. I, I had it written down, and I just I I moved the piece of paper. <laughs> you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and just about anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Yes, and please rate, review, and subscribe, and tell a friend yeah. if you if you liked it. You know, if if you didn't like, maybe keep that to yourself because we're delicate flowers but if you liked it tell a friend that's how the word gets out about fun podcasts to listen to that's Mm -hmm. how i found out about so many of the ones that i listen to so share the love that's right we also have a facebook like it oh yeah yeah we're on facebook come hang out guys and that'll do it for another episode of screen fix